Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment you're nailing it and the next you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast. I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and today we're going to be talking about collaborative problem solving. This episode is the audio from two Facebook Lives I did a little bit ago about um, the mistakes you might be making in collaborative problem solving, and then how to actually get your kids talking if you are wanting to sit down and have a problem solving conversation. So I kind of walk through all of the most common mistakes that parents make, and then I walk you through how to actually get your kids talking so that they don't just shrug and say, I don't know, when you're trying to figure out a problem with them. Okay, so I really hope that you enjoy this episode and that it helps you get clear on where you're going wrong in your problem-solving conversations and then gets your kids talking. Enjoy. Um, today I'm going to be sharing with you the kind of five common mistakes that parents um, kind of uh, traps that they kind of fall into right at the beginning of starting a problem-solving conversation with their child that set them off on the wrong foot and kind of get them um, to this to a place where their kids are not talking to them. So, so often when I start talking with parents about um, problem solving with their kids, I hear things like, well, we've taught that, tried that before and my kid just shuts down or they won't say anything. Or when I ask them what's going on or why they do the things that they do, um, they just say things like, I don't know, or they get mad and fly off the handle or they just walk away or they ignore me and they give me a cold shoulder or the silent treatment. Uh, and you, if that's happening for you and you are trying to um, solve problems with your kids, I want you to know that you are not alone in that. Um, it's really common um, to have that happen. And you it's really frustrating too because you are trying to be collaborative with your kids. You're trying to find out what's going on for them. Oftentimes you have worked hard to get to a place of empathy and compassion and you're going in um, to it with the desire to partner with them to solve these problems so that you don't keep having fights or disagreements or moments when they are really disrespectful or pushing back or um, you know where people are getting hurt or feelings are getting hurt. Uh, and you're trying to approach this in the best way that you can and you're trying to solve the problem with them you're trying to partner with them and then it backfires on you or they shut down or they don't help you and so um and the reason for that 
oftentimes has to do with how you are approaching the conversation with your child, um, your mindset, and the way that you start the conversation. So I'm going to share with you the five kind of biggest or most common mistakes I hear about or I see parents making when they are attempting to problem solve with their kids and how to remedy each of them. And that's what I want to share with you today. So the first one um, that I see a lot um, come up is that um, they tend to have um, a mindset or a lens that they're viewing children through um, that hasn't been fully shifted to the idea that kids are doing well when they can. So they're coming to the problem solving conversation with this mindset that is predisposing them to see their kids um, behavior as a problem. Um, it predisposes them to to um, focus on negative behaviors, the behaviors that they don't want to see. Um, and it predisposes you to thinking that your kids have a choice in the matter. So um, when you you can know that you are in that mindset or that you haven't made the appropriate mindset shift, if you are th still thinking about your kids um, and the negative behaviors that they're displaying and the problems that you're trying to solve with them, um, if you are still thinking that they are choosing to do that. So if you're using um, language like, uh, you know, Earlier today, you chose to do X, Y, and Z, or it seems like you decided that, you know, yelling at me was a good way to get what you wanted. Um, if you're using choose and decided that, those are um, clues to you that you are thinking that they made a conscious decision to engage in the negative behavior that you're trying to um, get on the other side of. And if you're approaching these problem-solving conversations with the idea that these, um, that kids are doing these things on purpose to make us angry or uh, are being defiant or kind of not meeting our expectations on purpose, um, you're setting yourself up for failure right before you even start the conversation. That mindset shift, that lens change is so critically important to starting these conversations well. So the way you view your child and your child's behavior is one of the most profound and important things you can do. And it's before you say anything out loud to your kids. So working on that lens shift, working to see your kids as doing well when they can, and knowing that if they are not doing well in the moment, it's not because they're choosing not to do well. You really need to come to the place of understanding that kids do well when they can. And if they're not doing well, it means that they either have some unmet needs that are um, reducing their ability to do well in that situation. So maybe they um, do well in that situation when they're well rested or when they're well fed or when they haven't been spending time regulating. Um, but now in this moment, if they aren't able to do it, they really... Um, likely can't be doing it right now. Or they might be having some lagging skills that make it hard for them to meet our expectations in those moments. And so it's really important that you get that mindset shift accomplished first before you try to go in to any um, problem solving conversations with your kids. Because if you don't have that mindset shift, in um, place already, if you don't have that good lens of viewing kids as doing well when they can in place already, then um, you're going to say things and the language you use and even the attitude that you project in the conversation is going to set kids up to be defensive. It's going to set them up um, 
to not want to talk with you. It's going to set them up to um, not want to partner with you because you won't seem safe to them. You won't seem like you are assuming the best of them. Uh, and nobody wants to partner with someone who is thinking the worst of them in that moment. So that piece of it is so important. So that's the mindset shift. And then um, I'm just going to glance at my notes and make sure I get them in the right order. Um, the next one, so I'm sharing, I think, three that are kind of before words even come out of your mouth. And then the last two are going to be um, uh, kind of the mistakes of around the words that are coming out of your mouth as you start a conversation. Um, so the next one that I see parents come, um, you know, the mi mistake that I see parents making all the time is that they come to the conversation, they come to the problem solving attempt with solutions already in mind. Now, of course, it's okay to kind of come prepared. You maybe have thought about what's getting in your kid's way um, in, the, in meeting the expectations that they're having trouble meeting. Maybe you've already thought of some solutions to you know, have some ideas, but many parents go into the conversation already having decided on the solution. So having a few like that are possibilities um, is great, kind of having them in your back pocket and ready to pull out. But when you come to the conversation already having decided on what the best solution is going to be, you're not open um, to hearing what your child has to say. And honestly, if we are really partnering with our kids and we really want to know what it is that is getting in their way of meeting our expectations and we have never asked them before, then it's really hard to come up with solutions ahead of time if we really don't know what's going on for them. We might have theories. We might have guesses. I mean, you guys know your kids better than anyone else. You really are the expert on your kids except for, you know, the fact that they know themselves even better than you. They know their experience even better than you. And so if you haven't asked them, I mean, you're just coming in with theories and guesses and the solutions that you uh, maybe are predisposed to think are gonna work might be based on, on a lack of information and a lack of true understanding for what's going on with your kids. So yes, go into the conversations maybe with a little bit of, um, you know, maybe a get like, some possible solutions, but go in with an open mind and not already having decided so that they can tell you what's getting in the way of them meeting your expectations and use that information to generate the solution. And, you know, if you're also, if you're going in kind of already decided what the solution is going to be, it's not, I mean, that, that attitude right there is not collaborative and kids can sense it. Kids are really good at knowing what's going on in our minds. They're really good at sensing our ulterior motives. They're really good at sensing an adult agenda. And so if we go into it kind of already decided what we're going to do about the problem that we're trying to solve, they can tell. And again, they can, will be able to feel that we are not truly interested in partnering with them and they're going to clam up and shut down. So yeah, absolutely have some ideas about what might work, but go in with an open mind. It's so critical that you do that. Um, and then the other, the last one, so there's, again, I'm sharing three that are kind of the mindset or kind of the way that you set up the conversation. Um, so we've talked about um, that you haven't fully shifted your lens to kids do well when they can. We just talked about coming into the conversation with your solution already set in your mind and not having an open mind. Um, and then the third one in terms of setting yourself up for success is, I, and this is the mistake that I see so many parents mis make. Um, in, 
it's when they are trying to engage in these problem-solving conversations in the moment. So when the child is having a problem, when they are not meeting our expectations, when they're having challenging behaviors and they're displaying them, so often we as parents want to go right in there in the moment and solve that problem. And the problem with that is, is that like those kids are not in a place to solve the problems. If they're having really challenging behaviors, if they're hitting or kicking or using language that we don't like to see, um, the learning centers of their brain are likely turned off. Um, their language and emotion processing centers in their brains are also likely turned off. Uh, and in that moment, they are not capable of rational thought, of discussion, of processing, they're not capable of perspective taking, they don't have any of the skills that they would need to have a good problem solving conversation. And um, even if, you know, if they like, it's likely that they're in this situation because they already don't have those skills to begin with. Um, and so if we go in when they're already having a problem and we're in the midst of the problem and try to do kind of an emergency problem solving session, it's never going to be successful because they don't have the skills that they need. And likely when that's happening, we're probably triggered too. We're probably um, feeling frustrated or flustered or kind of exasperated. And we aren't bringing our best selves to that problem solving conversation either. And it's so it's so important that we choose our timing well. And so if the mistake I see parents make is trying to get in um, to the problem solving discussion in the moment, uh, the way I want you to fix that is by one, either waiting and way a long time, maybe even till the next day until things have calmed down and settled so that you can have these problem solving conversations with your kids or getting proactive. Um, and that's what collaborative and proactive solutions is taught by um, Dr. Ross Green and the Lives in the Balance website teaches you how to do is how to get ahead of it so that you're not trying to solve all of these problems in an emergency or kind of retrospectively, but you're getting proactive with it. And it's so important to do. Um, I really want you guys to work on not trying to solve the problems in the moment. I want you, and I really want you to work as much as you can to try to get proactive. If we can predict that our kids are going to explode over a certain thing every single time, or they're going to have a struggle, you know, mo at, you know, every time they do X, Y, and Z, if we're in a situation, like if we can, we know it's going to happen. Those are the ones we can problem solve. If we can predict it, we can get ahead of it um, and have that problem solving conversation before it's actually a problem and then put the solution in place that we worked together and partnered with our kids to create. Okay, so then the next two that I want to share with you, the next two mistakes that parents um, make all the time are in um, the framing of the this kind of how we start the conversation with our kids. Um, these are focused on the words that you actually say. So the first one is that you, um, most parents tend to focus on the behavior that they don't want to see when they start having these conversations. So they focus in on um, all of the challenging behaviors and all of the things that kind of crop up when kids are having a hard time meeting expectation. And here's the thing, no one looks good when they are trying um, to meet an expectation that they don't have the skills to meet and they're kind of bumping up against expectations that they aren't able to be, meet. No one looks good. Adults don't look good um, in that situation. Parents don't look good in that situation. Teachers don't. Employees don't. And kids don't either. And so if we're focusing on the behaviors that crop up when they are bumping up against expectations that they can't meet or they're not able to meet right then, um, then we are kind of... Um, 
those are those are behaviors are behaviors that are largely out of their control because they're already triggered they're already flooded and they already don't have the skills like if they had the skills to do well in that situation they would be already using them and so for focusing in on the behaviors that we don't want to see um, it it leaves us in this place where the kids are feeling blamed they're feeling judged um, and they clam up and they shut down um, and they also really feel like they're in trouble when we start focusing on the behaviors that they um that we don't want to see they know they know that i mean other like beyond the age of two like they know what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do and if it's a problem that comes up consistently they know we don't like we don't we don't need to tell them that they shouldn't hit us or shouldn't swear at us or call us names or hit their sisters we, they know those things and if they could prevent themselves from doing those things in that moment they would have and they're not able to and so by focusing on those things it, it doesn't serve a purpose um it doesn't it it derails the conversation before it even gets started. And so I want you to, to, the way you fix this mistake is by focusing on the behaviors you do want to see um, and the context that they're happening in. So if you are tired of your kids having, you know, your one daughter hitting your other kid um, when she wants a toy that the other one is using, you don't focus on um, the hitting behavior, you focus on what you do want to say. See, so you might start the conversation with something like, um, I've noticed you've been having a really hard time asking your sister for a toy you want to use. Um, and you leave out all of the other stuff. Um, you just start the conversation with what you do want to see and then the circumstance. So basically you have to get super clear on what your expectations are for the child in that moment. And you start the conversation by stating those expectations and just kind of gently lob it out there. I've noticed it's been hard for you to meet this expectation recently. What's going on? And that's it. Um, and in doing so, you will also remedy the next big mistake that I see parents make is that they use, so when you're starting these conversations, oftentimes people, um, parents use judgments and labels to describe the child or their behaviors. And that just gets kids off on the wrong foot again. It makes them feel defensive. It makes them feel, feel like they're being attacked. And it also makes them feel like they're in trouble. You know, even like my kids have never really had a punitive punishment ever. Um, or I mean, all punishment is punitive. They like, they've needed to rest their bodies they you know i've had to take things away you know and put them away but we've never the all consequences have for the most part been natural or logical in our house and they still know what it feels like to be in trouble they still know um what it feels like to have me disapprove of their behaviors i mean it doesn't feel good and when we feel that way even as adults we get defensive so like if i'm having a conversation with my husband about um an expectation that he didn't meet that i had I, and I start off with like, man, you really let me down that, you know, when you didn't do that, it was, you know, it like made me feel X, Y, and Z. If I come at it from that perspective, he's going to get defensive. He's going to shut down. We, it's a human, like it's human nature to get defensive when we list out all the ways that we've done something wrong or we've screwed up or we've disappointed someone. And it, it doesn't open up a conversation, it shuts it down. And so if you want to open up a conversation, you have to take all of that sense of disapproval, um, you know, of disappointment, of, um, you know, and all of the negative language, all of the things around behavior that we don't wanna see, and you have to remove it from the conversation. Look, I get it, I know that it is 
frustrating to have your kid consistently hit their sibling when they want a toy. I know it is frustrating to have them call you names when they are not getting their way. I know that it's frustrating that they pitch a fit when you have to put the iPad away. It, it's a lot and it's frustrating. But if your goal is to partner with your kid and have those conversations and solve those problems proactively, then you are going to have to kind of regulate yourself and uh, um, vent to other folks who get it um, and leave that piece of it out of the conversation. Because if we bring it in, if we list all the ways that we're frustrated with our kids, if we if we pile up on them, if we even just you know, even just a little hint of that frustration will make them defensive. It will make them feel like they are in trouble and it will shut them down and you won't get anything out of them. So those are the five, um, the five things that I wanted to share with you today, the five mistakes that parents make. Um, and I really, I, I think they're, they're so important. Um, and I just, I want to see you trying something different with them. So if you find yourself wanting to bring in the behaviors you don't want to see, shift and ask yourself, what do I want to see out of my child? Um, so you've been having difficulty asking sweetly for a cup of water. Like that can open up a conversation in a much different way than you. I'm so tired of you demanding. I want to figure out what we can do to get you to figure out how to ask me for a glass of water without demanding. You know, they just, it sets the tone. And so like all of those, I, you know, like you could even go back and watch my video on soft startups um, that I have. Uh, and it's, it's around the couple relationship, but kids need soft startups too when it comes to having a problem solving conversation with them. Um, I think sometimes we think that because they're little, they don't, they don't get to have the same difficulties that we do. Um, it just is a part of our human nature in having a conversation with us. Um, and they, we, they're not entitled to this kind of full range of human emotion and complexity and communications. They need us just as much as our partners do, just as much as our like adult parents do. They need us to soft startly, uh, sorry, to start softly in the, our conversations. They need us to be really clear before we have a conversation on what are our expectations and um, start the conversation in that way. They need us to shift our mindset and view them as doing well when they can and to view them through a lens of compassion and curiosity. Uh, these are these conscious communication tools apply to everyone. They apply to our couple relationships, They, but they apply to our kids too. They're just as deserving of um, grace and compassion. Um, and when we approach a conversation in that way, when we start softly, that's when they start opening up. That's when they start believing that we want to partner with them. They start believing that they're not in trouble and that we're not here to just point out all the ways that, that they've screwed up in the past week. Um, that we're not here to just kind of tell them again what we have to do. Oftentimes it takes, a, if you've been trying to have problem solving conversations with your kids, or if you've been parenting in this kind of top down approach, this non-collaborative approach, it takes a little bit of time to rebuild their trust and to help them gain confidence in you that you are going to really listen to them this time, that you really are curious, that you have no judgments, that you're not labeling them and you're not gonna shame them for what's been going on, that you really stay like, see them as wanting to do well, like that you're coming from this place of, hey, kiddo, 
you've been struggling. This is really hard for you. And I want to know what's getting in the way. Tell me what's getting in the way and we will figure out how to support you. I will figure out how to adjust the expectations so that you can meet it. Um, and that sense of want, like that sense of like wanting to partner with your kids has like, it has to be there first. And so really your homework then in this, um, in this context is to do that internal work, do that mindset shift, that lens change so that you can come to these conversations with your kids from a place of being deeply curious about their experience, really wanting to know what's getting in their way of meeting your expectations and helping them um, and partnering with them to either adjust the expectations or give them, them the supports that they need to be successful. Um, and we're, most of the time when they come up with solutions after they've been heard and witnessed and they are partnered with us in the process of coming up with the solutions, you know, that we haven't come to it with a solution already in mind and we just kind of hear them out, um, pay lip service to the like empathy and compassion and then say, okay, so this is what I've decided. You know, we can actually work together and we check in, like, does this solve your problem? Does this meet your concerns? Does, is this gonna make it easier for you to meet the expectation? and only sign off on solutions that are mutually satisfactory, that's when we have buy-in and that's when we find solutions that work. Now, lots of you have um, kids who have kind of the same problem comes up again and again. Uh, maybe they're not listening, maybe they're not following your directions, maybe they're not abiding kind of by a limit that you've set. Um, and it's the same thing over and over again. And those are the perfect ones, the, the ones that are predictable that we kind of know are going to happen. Um, those are the ones that are really good for getting proactive with and working and kind of partnering with our kids to solve those problems. And so today, one of the biggest things I hear from parents when they're trying to solve problems with their kids is that their kids clam up. They um, aren't willing to talk about it. They aren't willing to um, kind of engage in the process. They say things like, well, I don't know, or they just kind of shrug, or sometimes they even say like, well, I don't have a problem with that, or um, I don't know what you're talking about, or they might even just get really mad and explode kind of right away when you bring it up. And so I wanted to um, make sure that I gave you guys some tips um, for actually getting your kids talking during these problem solving sessions. Because the reality is, if we want to partner with our kids, and we want to help them um, figure out, um, and we want to help ourselves figure out kind of what's getting in the way of them meeting our expectations, and what's making it hard for them to engage in the process that, it, that is hard for them, what's making it hard for them to um, stick with our limits that we set with me it hard for them to follow our directions that we give them we have to ask them they have to talk to us we have to get like get information out of them and um, we can't solve the problem on our own because you guys have been trying already to solve it on your own by giving consequences um making a plan even really gentle peaceful um attempts to solve a problem if they're coming just from the parent without getting information from the kid they're still top down they're still uninformed and they're still like to be pretty ineffective. So we've got to partner with our kids. We've got to get them talking and get them telling us kind of what's getting in their way. And so that's what I want to share with you today. So we have five kind of strategies, five tips that you can um, put into place to make your problem solving uh, conversations more effective with your kids. So the first one is to set the stage with them. 
you let them know that you want to um, talk about a problem that you've been having and that you've been learning how to communicate better so that you don't have fights over it anymore. And you also want to let them know and reassure them that they're not in trouble. A lot of the times, and especially if you've been trying to problem solve in the past and it hasn't gone well, um, kids feel like they're in trouble when um, they start having these conversations. They are worried that we're going to give them some top-down solution, some consequence, some punishment. Um, and we, they, we also inadvertently and kind of um, sometimes very unconsciously use language that makes them feel ashamed or guilty or blamed for the problem or judged for the problem. And all of those things shut a kid down. And so if we've been trying kind of unsuccessfully to solve a problem, we're going to have to earn back their trust. Um, and we can do that, make a big step towards that by starting the conversation off well with just a, you know, we want to talk about this. We, we're kind of tired of having a fight over this. And it, it comes up, you know, sometimes, you know, it comes up kind of frequently and we just we want to get ahead of it. We want to figure it out. We want to figure out what's going on for you. Um, so reassure them that they're, you know, you're not in trouble. Um, and we're, and you also want to reassure them that you're not going to make any decisions or try to solve this problem uh, without their input and without their approval. So you might even say something like, I know in the past when we've tried to come up with solutions, um, I just kind of use my solution and we say that that's what we're going to do and we don't wait to hear if that works for you. We're not going to do that this time. This time we're not going to come up with any solution to the problem that you don't approve that doesn't work for you. Um, and you just take spend some time reassuring them so that you can set that stage really well for them. The second one that I wanted to mention too, that the way you bring up a problem and we talked about this last week, but I want to drive it home. So this is the second tip. Um, be really clear with yourself on how to bring up these problems with your kids. So work ahead of time. Make a list of the unsolved problems that you have in your family. And unsolved problems are where your child is bumping up against expectations that they're not able to meet. Um, and nobody looks good when we aren't able to meet um, expectations, not even grown-ups. Um, so wording that kind of the introduction to solving the problem is the first First thing you want to do to set yourself up and get kids talking. So if we come in there and we say, hey kiddo, you've been really having, you know, a hard time putting away your shoes after you come in from playing. I trip all over them. It makes a big mess. There's mud all over the mudroom floor. I mean, when I ask you to put them away, you just like melt down or you throw them at me. And like, that's not cool. So let's solve that problem and find out. That approaching it that way has a carries a lot of blame, a lot of shame, a lot of judgment, a lot of labels. Um, and all of those things put people on the defensive. So the like all of the rules for conscious communication that you would use with your partner, I want you using them with your kids when you start these conversations with them. The rules are the same. Show up in the conversation with um, coming from a place of open-mindedness, um, from a place of compassion, and leave shame, blame, judgment, and labels out. Um, and what you uh, you also want to leave out any behaviors too, any of the negative behaviors that you're trying not to see, leave them out. All of those bad behaviors are going to be captured by the word difficulty. And the kid knows. Your kids know what they're doing that is causing conflicts. They, they know what they're doing that they're not supposed to do. So we don't have to say it because they already know. So we're just going to use the word difficulty. And so you start the conversation off by saying, 
Hey kiddo, I've noticed you've been having difficulty. Difficulty captures all the behaviors. You're leaving them out. Um, and then you state your expectation that they're bumping up against, that they're not able to meet. Hey kiddo, I've noticed you've been having difficulty getting your shoes put in their cubby in the mudroom after you come in from playing outside. What's up? And you just kind of soft lob it out there in that way. Um, hey kiddo, I've noticed you've been having difficulty putting your Legos away when you're done playing with them. What's up? Hey kiddo, I noticed you've been having a hard time taking your plate over to the dishwasher after dinner. What's up? All like just nonchalant, easy going. You've already reassured them. Like, honey, you're not in trouble, and we're not going to come up with any solution to this problem that um, you don't okay, you know, that you don't approve of, that you don't sign off on. But I've been noticing you've been having difficulty um, keeping your hands to yourself while you're playing video games with your sister. What's up? And you just go there. You, you just lob it out there. Now, the third tip that I have for you today is your mindset. So sometimes when we go into these scenarios, we are kind of already like we have a theory about why it's hard. We have some ideas already in our own mind. And I want you to set those aside in these conversations. So the third tip is to come with a mindset to, to solving this problem that is based and grounded in compassion and curiosity, where you are taking kind of a beginner's mind view of the problem and of your child in those moments. So you are coming in with kind of just like a completely open mind. You don't know what's going on because you likely don't. You, you Maybe even if you have theories, those theories are based on your assumption from your adult perspective, and they likely have very little to do with what's really going on for the kid. Um, and so if we go into it with just open-mindedness, curiosity, that is what is going to open our kids up. Okay, so the first three tips that I had for you today were kind of just starting well, coming in with the right mindset, using the right wording, and reassuring them that no one's in trouble. And the next two ones that I want to share with you today are on um, kind of what to do once you've lobbed out the setup for the question. So oftentimes, you know, kids will say things like, I don't know, or there's nothing hard about that, or I don't think I have a problem. They'll kind of start there. And so again, you're keeping hold of your curiosity, and then you use drilling strategies. So Dr. Ross Green, who wrote the book, um, The Explosive Child, Lost at School, um, and his latest book, Raising Human Beings, I can, there's lots of drilling strategies to use. Uh, there's, you can go to his website, livesinthebalance.com, Sorry, it's livesinthebalance.org, O-R-G at the end. And you can download a whole list of drilling strategies. But I'm going to share with you two that I think are the most effective uh, and the ones that are easiest to kind of put into place right away. So the first one is reflective listening and um, clarifying statements. So that's kind of like a little like there's two things kind of put together. So reflective listening, many of you likely already know how to do reflective listening. It's just paraphrasing back what the kids said. And then the clarifying statement is when you get curious about how what the kids said relates to the unsolved problem. So like if they start with, I don't know, you go to a place of curiosity and say, hmm, you don't really know. It's a tough one, isn't it? Let's think about it. Like, What's making it hard to put your Legos away after you're done playing with them? Hmm, what do you think? You just kind of 
hold space. You get comfortable with a little bit of silence. You, you've got your notebook there and your pen and paper there ready to write down what they have to say because and show them that what they say is important and that it matters to you. You just kind of wonder with them a little bit. And then maybe they'll give you something. Well, you know, once I'm done playing with Legos, my hands, I'm really tired. It's hard work and it's hard to put them away afterwards. Okay. All right. So this is reflective listening. I, I, Okay, so what I hear you saying is that after you're done playing with Legos, you've worked really hard and your hands are tired, and so um, and it's hard to put them away. Okay, um, so tell tell me a little bit more about like what your hands being tired, like how that makes putting things the Legos away hard, because I, I don't quite understand. That's the clarifying statement. All right, so that tool in and of itself gets kids talking. It takes practice. I've been um, in a training program for almost like eight months now learning how to do that. It does take practice. Um, so keep keep going, give it a shot, try it out. Um, but I want you to notice that um, in that, in that, so often when in in the kind of the peaceful, positive, respectful, conscious parenting world, we get told a lot to ask our kids about their feelings. Um, and reflective listening is often talked about in the context of talking about feelings. Um, I don't think it's very productive to talk about feelings uh, when we're having problem solving behaviors. If your kid brings it up and brings feelings into the matter, like all on their own, great, go there. Reflective listen and clarify the state, you know, use clarifying statements with their feelings. But if they're not bringing it up, um, sometimes, especially if we've been talking about feelings with our kids, um, they kind of, it's like their clue, like, oh, like, Mom's digging, mining for information, digging for information. They can feel kind of grilled on that and it can kind of shut them down. Um, so talking about feelings and it, it really, most of the time feelings don't give us very good information about how to solve the problem and about what's getting in the way of them meeting our expectations. So kind of leave the feelings piece of it out. And so then the last, um, the last, uh, tip I wanted to give you, the last kind of um, way to get kid information out of kids is, um, so this is number five, is finding out the who, the what, the where, and the when of the unsolved problem. And notice that I didn't say why, all right? So we have those good W questions that we learned about in, you know, in school, in grade school. Um, they still apply here. Um, but often kids are asked why too. And I want you to leave why out. Why um, doesn't usually give us very good information, uh, first of all. And why also gets kids to kind of regurgitate all of the things that they've heard about why they are the way that they are. You're just, you know, I'm just stubborn, or I'm just dumb, or I'm just not good at math, or I'm just lazy. They start spouting off some of the theories that they've maybe heard from well-meaning adults or from teachers, um, and it doesn't bring them into really looking at and examining the kind of the what is getting in the way of them meeting the expectation. So who, what, where, when, and why questions kind of help break down the, um, the unsolved problem. So you might ask questions like, okay, so like, you know, you know, where are you what, usually when you're playing like with Legos? Um, or, you know, when is it that I'm usually asking you to put away the Legos? Um, what, you know, what were you doing right before I asked you to put away the Legos? Um, what are you usually thinking when, right, when I ask you to put away the Legos? Um, 
uh, who's near you when you're, um, you know, when you are supposed to be putting away the Legos, you know, always kind of tying it back to that expectation that they're having a hard time meeting, but using the who, the what, the where, the, and the when of the, um, this using the strategy helps kids learn to break down a problem into its parts to analyze what's going on in the midst of it. Um, and it helps get them talking. So sometimes when we put out a big question, like, you know, you've been having difficulty getting, you know, getting your shoes on in the morning before we go out to play like that is a really like it's big and oftentimes when things are big and a question is big kids get overwhelmed and when kids get overwhelmed they shut down and they say I don't know um so learning to break a problem down into its parts is a skill it's a skill that your kid can build and it's a skill you can help them build by asking them the who the what the where and the when of the unsolved problem so those were the the five um tips that I wanted to share with you All right, that's it for this episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast. If you liked this topic and you want to know more about how you can hold collaborative problem-solving conversations with your kids and actually teach them how to start using these skills themselves or with their siblings and their friends, I want to invite you to reach out to me, send me an email or send me a message, and I'll get you some information about a workshop that I'm holding Um, I don't have all the the details right now at the time of this recording, so just send me an email and I'll make sure you get them. Okay, so thanks for listening today. Um, Remember to subscribe to the podcast and if it was helpful, leave me a review. That really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, That's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.